This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 13. We've been doing a Sunday morning series on the miracles of the New Testament, first walking through the Gospels, studying these miracles, learning the patterns and principles so that we can apply them to our lives, so that we can see our every need met. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you for the presence of your spirit this morning. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that sickness has no right, no place, no authority in the lives of any family, any member of Faith Christian Center. And we thank you that sickness, disease, infirmity has no right, no place, no authority in our children's lives or in their bodies. And we thank you that Satan is defeated and Jesus is Lord. And we thank you that any unclean spirits have no right, no place, no authority to be hanging around us or to be hanging around Faith Christian Center or any family of Faith Christian Center, hindering, tempting, oppressing, and so we command them to leave now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that in you we are free. And we thank you that in you we are healed. And we thank you that in you we have the victory in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10, on a Sabbath, and you read through the Gospels, you see that it was often the custom of Jesus in the area of the town he was in to go to the local synagogue on a Sabbath. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Now, this is important. This is why all the time I'm saying you've got to get a Bible that is yours, that you read, that you study, that you meditate upon, that you carry to church, that, you know, if you have children that... When you open the Word of God, they see you open your Bible to read from them, a Bible that is yours to mark in, to highlight in, to underline in, because there are things that you have to see in the Word of God for yourself. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. So notice that she had been crippled by an unclean, demonic spirit for 18 years. She had not been crippled by God. She had not been crippled by God's will. So if you grew up with any of that religious nonsense or you, you have any of that in you that's been deposited over the years, you've got to set that aside. You've got to set those uh, lenses aside. You've got to come to the Gospels with a new pair of lenses, with a fresh set of eyes, and to see our Heavenly Father and to see... Jesus Christ, 
and to see the Holy Spirit for who they really are. If you read the story of Oral Roberts, he was pastoring a little church in Enid, Oklahoma, still there, visit the church. You can even see what was his office. And he determined to seek the Lord. And he spent time in fasting and prayer, but as he did that, he read the Gospels again and again and again and again. And that's how he had such a powerful revelation that Jesus is our healer, that Jesus heals, and he heals today. Notice, she had been crippled by his spirit for 18 years, not crippled by God, not crippled by the will of God, crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Now, in this series, when we've previously dealt with Jesus setting people free from demonic possession, we pointed out, how do people pick up an unclean spirit? By going to unclean places, doing unclean things, or watching unclean things, or doing things with unclean people. Or parents open doors, or we in our lives, we open doors. And that's why we've learned on Wednesday evenings what the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 27, not to give the devil a foothold, not to give him any place in our lives, not to give him literally any geographic territory in our lives. Luke 13, 10, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. So it wasn't the Lord. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't God doing or teaching something. Again, as we've pointed out repeatedly, John 10, 10 is the dividing line of the Bible. The, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So she had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. So that, that's not what brings glory to God. He, he doesn't want to see his children suffer. He doesn't want to see his children be in lack or in need or in want. He doesn't want to see us suffer in any area of life, and he doesn't want to see us suffer physically. Someone suffering physically doesn't bring glory to God. It brings glory to Satan. And notice Jesus does something about this. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Say, say this, say, I am set free, am set free now, now in, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Say this, say, I am healed, I am healed now, now in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. And you might say, Austin, it, it can't be that simple. It is. It's a matter of faith in God. It's a matter of faith in his word. And then it's a matter of acting like the word is so in your life. Say it again, say, I am set free now, in Jesus' name. Say, say, I am healed now, in Jesus' name. But someone might object and say, well, Austin, you know, I, I prayed a prayer, or I, made a, I made a confession, or hands have been laid upon me 25 times, and I don't know why I'm still struggling with this. Stop going to unclean places, doing unclean things with unclean people. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. But you also have to do your part to walk in victory. You have to do your part. You have to resist the enemy. You have to not give him a place. 
You've got to actually live as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Praise God, where the Holy Spirit is, there is liberty and there is freedom. Verse 13, Jesus put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So she had been in this condition for 18 years, bent over, couldn't stand. Verse 13, he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And again, if you go to the book of Leviticus, you're not gonna find anything that would lead you to believe it's wrong to pray for someone on the Sabbath or for someone to be healed on the Sabbath. Plus, we've learned in this series that, that healing, it's not physical work. It's not hard physical manual labor. It's spiritual work. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath? From what bound her? Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? So th this is important. Who, who did this to this woman? Satan. Satan. It wasn't God. It wasn't God's will. The Bible is clear. The gospels are clear. Jesus is clear. It was Satan. It was the enemy. It was the whom the scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament call the accuser of the brethren. It was Satan who had kept this woman bound for 18 long years. Not God. Not the will of God. It was Satan who has kept this woman bound for 18 long years. Verse 17, when Jesus said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. So what did Jesus do? He, he declared her freedom to her. Again, where, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. Father God does not want us to struggle with anything. He does not want us to be bound or oppressed by anything. He wants us to have the victory in every area of life. So what did Jesus do? He declared her freedom to her. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Why don't we say it again? Say, I am set free, I am set free. now, in Jesus' name. Say, I, say, I am healed now in Jesus' name. In Luke 4, verse 18 and following, Jesus, he was in a synagogue, opened the scroll up to Isaiah, quoted the prophet Isaiah, said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That the gospel by definition is good news. You're lost. You're, you're bound. You're sick. But the good news is you can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can be set free. You, you can know what it is like to have God as your father. You can be a part of the best family in the universe, the family of God. Not, a, not as an outsider, not as a servant or slave, but as a son or daughter of God with the full rights, benefits, and privileges. 
That is good news. So he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, not, not bondage, not struggle. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That, that's good news. You don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to struggle with that thing. Another year, you can have freedom in Christ Jesus. But again, the, the other part of the coin, the other side of the coin is you have to do your part. He sets us free, but then you can't go be signing up for more oppression and bondage or whatever it is. He sets us free, but then you have to walk in the freedom we have in Christ. Recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim what year? The year of the Lord's favor. Say this, say, my time of freedom, it is now. Say, my time of healing, it is now. Say, my time of victory is now. My time of favor, it is now. Now's the time. Because we're living in the church age, we're living in this dispensation of grace, but at some point that is coming to an end. And if you go to the book of Isaiah and you look at the passage that Jesus is quoting from, after the year of the Lord's favor, in the very same verse, the very next phrase, it tells us what's coming next. And that is the day of the vengeance of our God. So the time to live for God is right now. The time to walk with God is right now. The time to do all that we're going to do is right now. It is a window. It is a window of grace. Say it again. Say, my time of favor, it is now. So what did Jesus do? He declared her freedom to her. Then he laid hands upon her. Praise God, our, our Heavenly Father loves us so much. There are many ways and means and methods by which we can be healed. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God. He declared her freedom to her, then he laid hands upon her. Verse 13, he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So what did the woman do? She stood up. He put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up. If you want to be well, you have to start acting well. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up for yourself. You gotta stand up to the enemy. You gotta stand up to wrong friends, wrong relationships, wrong influences. You gotta say, I'm gonna go with God because I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm set free, I've got the victory. So I'm gonna act like it. I'm gonna talk like it. I'm gonna walk like it. I'm gonna live like it. You have to stop giving the enemy any foothold, any place, any geographic territory in your life. He laid hands, he put his hands upon her, and immediately she straightened up. So she stood up, and this is faith. Whether we pray, whether we confess, whether hands are laid upon us, if we believe, if we believe we receive, it is faith to do what you could not do before. That is faith, to do what you could not do before, to do what you have been unable to do. Either the word of God is true or it's not. Either the word of God is true 
or it is a lie. And if the word of God is true, we ought to act like the word is true. We ought to act like the word is true. And if I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus, I ought to act like I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so when people ask me how I'm doing, I, I shouldn't say, well, not so great because these are the worst sniffles I've ever had. If the word is true, we ought to act like the word is true. And so it's, stop, it's, it's time to stop acting like defeated people. We are victorious. We are free. And we are healed. So we have to act like the word is true. So she stood up. You've got to do what you've been unable to do. This is why during worship when we have the time of prayer, the, the person, the singer that makes that announcement, they'll say that you know, as you go back to your seat, Praise God. As you go back to your seat, rejoice. And we'll see scripture for this as we continue in the message. Faith is taking action on the word of God. Faith is acting like the word of God is so. Faith is acting like the word of God is true. And as you step out in faith and act like the word of God is so in your life, your circumstances your physical circumstances will begin to change and line up with the Word of God. That's why the Bible says, whose report will you believe? You know, pastor's been dealing with this on Wednesday evenings. We go to the banker, they say something, we act like their word is so. When we get online and they talk about this new variant or this new strain and people believe that and lose their minds and act like that's so, People go to the doctor and hear something, they act like that's so. We spend so much time acting like the word of unsaved men is true. We've got to act like the word of our heavenly father is true. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord our healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord your healer. So he, he delights in healing his children. He delights in showing forth his goodness in our physical bodies. Got to act well. Got to act healed. Got to act like the word of God is true because it is. And if in any area of life, this isn't just true when it comes to freedom. This isn't just true when it comes to healing in our physical bodies. It's true in family. It's true in parenting. It's true in marriage. It's true in finances. It's true in work. If you will act like the word of God is true, over time, God's word will become the reality in your life and your circumstances. You gotta act like the word is true, that, that we're free, we're blessed, we're healed, we're overcoming, we got the victory. And we may not be all the way there yet, but we're on our way, amen. amen. So we're happy, we're rejoicing, we're grateful. We've got a good report, amen. amen. She stood up and she praised God. And, and this, this is the key to the power of God, to the presence of God, to the victory of God. She stood up and she praised God. He put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. If you wanna be well, stop complaining and start praising. Stop complaining and start praising God. Didn't bring the reference for them. But this is a verse all the children know, Exodus 23, verse 25. We, we worship the Lord 
and he takes sickness and disease away from our midst. You know, when we tell you to be on time, it's not just so we can see you right at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We, we know that when we as a congregation enter in and praise the Lord, wonderful things happen. We, we know that it, when we exalt him and we magnify him and we, we praise him, that yes, it prepares our hearts to receive the word, but as we, we worship him, wonderful things happen. The Bible says that the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, it destroys the yoke. And so while we, while we worship the Lord, hearts are being dealt with. While we worship the Lord, good things are happening. While we worship the Lord, people are being set free. While we, while we worship the Lord, people are being made well in their physical mortal bodies. Well, we're not just trying to, you know, get you to wake up. There is a purpose to our praise. And that's why our encouragement be to be to start the day that way. To start the day in the word, to start the day in prayer, to start the day in praise. You know, for a long time in the mornings, I'd listen to talk radio. I can't do that with kids. They don't want to hear it. But, but I can listen to praise and worship music. Amen? And that is exalting and that is edifying. Worship the Lord your God and he will take sickness and disease away from your midst. Well, well you're not 100% there also. I'm just going to keep worshiping him. I'm going to just keep praising him because he's taking sickness and disease away from my midst. Now, what did the haters do? This woman praised the Lord, but what did the haters do? They complained. Notice that Jesus prayed, the woman praised, and the haters complained. And it's still the same today. If you think anything's changed, just pay attention. Jesus still heals the sick. The people of God still praise him. You know, it's what's going on in our culture is just amazing. And I'm not trying to be mean or harsh on anyone or anything, but everybody's doing exactly what they want to be doing. You, know, you, you ask someone, where you been? They got this excuse, they got that excuse, but they can, they can go see the Rangers. Or they can go wait for three or four days to get their Taylor Swift t-shirt. You know, it's, it's really amazing people's commitments and people's priorities. But the power is in putting God first. And one of the ways that we put the Lord first, as David said, we magnify the Lord over everything else. And that's what praise and worship is, magnifying the Lord over every circumstance, magnifying the Lord over everything going on. You got this need, that worry, that concern, doesn't matter how we feel, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. In the last week, there was a passage, a verse about the finger of God. You know, if we could just have a little finger of God on our work, that would take care of everything. Amen. If we could just have a little finger of God on our parenting and our child raising, that would take care of everything. If we could just have a little finger of God in our finances, that, that would meet every need, that would pay every bill, and there would be plenty left over. If we could just have a little finger of God on our physical body, trust me, 
There's enough power in the finger of God to take care of every physical problem. So what should we do? Got to set aside, do as Peter said, cast those cares, those anxieties, those worries upon the Lord, and then do what? Praise the Lord. Then do what? Worship the Lord. Then do what? Magnify the Lord and praise his name. That's why Psalm 103 is one of the best chapters to pray. We, We praise the Lord. And we forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of our sins and heals how many of our diseases? All, each and every one. So it's no different. Jesus still heals the sick. God's people still praise him. And the haters still complain. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days not on the Sabbath. And this is sad, heartbreaking. The religious leaders cared more about their own animals than people. And sadly, that is true of many in our society and culture today, even in the church. Verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, so notice the, the, the character and the nature and the love of Almighty God. You read John's gospel, Jesus told the religious leaders that to see him is to see the Father. To hear him speak is to hear the Father speak. We, we know Father God by his revelation to us in Jesus Christ. And he said, verse 16, then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. So Satan did it, not the Lord. And his will, his desire, his love for her was that she be set free and not suffer one more day, not suffer one more minute, one more hour. Whom did Jesus say had kept this woman bound for 18 years, even though She was a daughter of Abraham, Satan, the enemy. Say this, say, I don't have to struggle anymore. Say, I don't have to be in bondage anymore. Say, I don't have to be in need anymore. Say, I don't have to suffer anymore. Say, I don't have to struggle anymore. See, that is a false presentation of the Christian life, that we're just here getting our butts kicked by the devil, struggling with the same struggles and sins year after year that we're, our lives look no different than the lives of unsaved people except that we're going to heaven? That is nonsense. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. And Paul is clear, and Jesus is clear, and James is clear, and Peter is clear that when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, You're not like what you were. You are a new man or a new woman in Christ Jesus, a part of a new family with all the rights, benefits, and privileges. And those benefits and privileges include having the victory over every work of the enemy, over every bondage of the enemy, including sickness, disease, and infirmity. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan 
has kept bound for 18 long years be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. Now, how does Satan do this? Look over at Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. And Luke rehearses to us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all. See, that, that's another verse to mark or underline or highlight in your Bible, that Jesus went around doing good and healing all. He went around doing good and healing all. Somebody says, yeah, but Austin, he went around doing good and healing all. He went around doing good and healing all. He went around doing good and healing how many? All. all. Who were under the power of the devil? Literally, those being oppressed by the devil. And he did that because God was with him. There's no need to remain sick. There's no need to suffer anymore. There's no need to struggle anymore. Jesus went around healing people who were under the power of the devil. There, there's no need to remain sick. There's no need to struggle or suffer anymore. He went around doing good and healing all. There's no need to remain sick. There's no need to continue struggling and suffering. He went around healing people who were being oppressed by the devil. Say this, say, I'm not going to be oppressed anymore. So Satan, take your hands off my life and off my body now in Jesus' name. So you have to get militant. You have to get bold. You have to say, hands off my life, hands off my family, hands off my children, hands off my body, hands off my finances, hands off my mind in Jesus' name. Say this, say, I'm set free, I'm set free. Now, now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Say this, say, I am healed, I am healed. Now, now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Now let's look again at how the healing in Mark chapter 8 played out. Mark 8, beginning in verse 22. And this, this will really encourage you if you'll have eyes to see it. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man to, and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When we dealt with this previously, we learned why outside the village. Well, the village was cursed. Jesus himself had cursed it because they had not responded positively to the gospel. And Jesus would say, don't go into the village. Verse 23, when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So there was improvement. There was progress. Verse 25, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. So this should encourage you. Tell, tell your neighbor, smile, say, be encouraged. be encouraged. Tell your other neighbor, smile, say, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Here we have an example that Jesus Christ himself prayed for a man more than once. So don't give up if the manifestation of your healing takes time. Don't give up if complete and total victory takes time. Don't give up. Tell, tell your neighbor, smile, say, don't give up. Don't smile, tell your other neighbor, say, don't give up. Don't Paul writes in Galatians 6, I believe, verse 9, that at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. But Satan is really good at deceiving people. 
And he is really good at talking people into walking away from their field or their harvest right before their miracle. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. This is why Paul writes that Jesus Christ leads us into, he leads us in triumphal procession from victory to victory. I, I may not be all the way there yet, but I am on my way. And I am more victorious today than I was a week ago. I'm better off today than I was a week ago. I'm more blessed today than I was a week ago. See, it's perspective and it is attitude. And yes, you better believe it is about faithfulness. That's why sometimes you'll hear us say, give the Lord at least as much time as you gave the devil. I never cease to be amazed at how someone will come and the Lord in his grace and mercy will do the most wonderful things. And they go from defeat to victory. But then over time, you look up and wonder where they are. Then you hear about them not doing right, living right. And then every, everything's a mess. That is not God's best. That, that is not the purpose of his grace and mercy. The Bible says, once you were, well, we are no longer. Paul says that is what some of you were, but we are now no longer. Now we are the sons and the daughters of God. And God's best is victory. And his best is triumphal procession. His best is from victory to victory. Somebody might say, yeah, but Austin, let me tell you about the valley of the shadow of death. We, we don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. David said, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You may be walking through, but where are you headed? To victory, to victory, to victory, to victory, to victory. And that's what the Christian life is. Jesus Christ himself prayed for a man more than once. So don't give up if the manifestation of your healing takes time. Don't give up. Don't give up if the manifestation of your healing takes time. Healing by its very definition and nature is gradual. Let me give you another example from John's gospel, John 4, beginning in verse 46. And again, this will help you. It'll encourage you. Once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. So this was serious. This was a child, a son, close to death. Verse 48, Jesus said, Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. And verse 50 here is the key. And when we did this miracle, this is what we preached. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. So you got to act well. Got to act free. Got to act victorious. Got to act like you have the victory in Christ because you do. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news. His boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, and that's what I want you to see. 
And I would mark that. I would highlight that. I would underline that. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. He had been near death. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Verse 52, when he inquired as, the, as to the time when his son got better, they said, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all of his household believed. Verse 52 is so important. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better. Say this, say, I'm getting better. Say this, say, I'm making progress. Say this, say, I'm walking in victory, but more victories on the way. Say this, say, I'm better. Say, say this, say, I'm getting better. It's perspective. It's attitude. Praise God when things happen immediately or instantaneously, but that's not the way it always is. But the word of God is true. And we have the victory in Christ Jesus. We have the miracle in Christ Jesus. We have the healing in Christ Jesus. And even if it's not immediate, I am the blessed and the healed of Almighty God, so I am getting better. And I'm better today than I was yesterday. And I'll be better on Monday than I am today, and better on Tuesday than I am on Monday. And I'll have more victory on Wednesday than I have right now. I am getting better. See, we, we miss these small things in Scripture. And then because during the prayer time or whatever it is, we don't, we don't feel a certain way, we get into doubt, we get into negativity, we get into unbelief, which is contrary to the word. It, it short circuits our faith. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, the King James says, then he inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. When he began to get better, when he began to get healed, when his, we could say it this way, when his healing began to come into manifestation, which took time. Jesus told the father, your son will live. And from that moment, he began to get better. Jesus told the father, your son will live. And from that moment, he began to amend. Just because your healing is not instantaneous, just because the manifestation is not instantaneous, don't turn the switch of faith off. Believe God. Believe his word. Take God at his word and act like the word of God is true in your life. And if you will, God's word will come into manifestation in your life and in your circumstances. Say this, say, I'm amending. I'm amending. Say this, say, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Say this, say, I'm healing. I'm healing. Say this, say, I am more well today than I was yesterday. Say, say, I'll be better tomorrow than I am right now. Say, I'm overcoming. That's what the Christian life is. My father used to have a license plate. I had it for a while. I think he still has it. It says, overcome. I remember I was a student at TCU and was driving my father's vehicle and there was a girl not paying attention, sideswiped that car. I remember when her insurance agent called and so snarky and so unkind and so 
gracious. Well, what does that license plate mean? It means I'm overcoming. Well, what are you overcoming? Well, right now, you're, you're a client hitting my father's car. <laughs> it's perspective. It's attitude. It doesn't mean that there won't ever be a challenge or a difficulty in this life. But when the enemy shows up, I'm overcoming. I'm getting better. I have the victory. As Paul said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. When the enemy shows up with a circumstance, I'm overcoming. I'm getting well. I'm being led in triumphal procession from victory to victory to victory. So don't be discouraged. Keep the switch of faith turned on. John tells us the boy began to get better. John tells us the boy began to amend. In Mark 8, Jesus Christ himself prayed for a man more than once. So don't give up if the manifestation of your healing or whatever it is you're believing God for takes time. Healing, by its very definition and nature, it is gradual. In this series, we've also mentioned the point of the parable in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up, to show that they should always pray and never give up. So always pray and never give up. And why never give up? Because we have the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whatever the circumstances were yesterday, we've got more victory today. And whatever the circumstances are today, we've got more victory tomorrow. And we'll have more victory on Monday, We'll have more victory on Tuesday. We'll have more victory on Wednesday. We'll have more victory on Thursday. If we will not quit, if we'll not give up or throw in the towel or say, golly gee whiz, I guess that didn't work. I'm going to go back to the world. Jesus said, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Stop it with all that nonsense. God has called us to greater things. And he has called us to victory. He has called us to healing. He has called us to success. He has called us to prosperity. He has called us to victory in every area of life. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you have never given your life to God. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This, lot, this world that we live in, it'll lie to you, it'll tell you that if you're just good enough, that is sufficient. You'll be in heaven someday. That's a lie. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a Savior. This world will lie to you, it'll tell you that you can come up with your own path to God. That's a lie. Jesus said, said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. A family in the church had a wonderful miracle recently. A husband who refused to come to church decade after decade gave his life to the Lord. And he did it just days before stepping into eternity. It is a wonderful miracle of the goodness and grace of God. But I'm here to tell you today to plead with you. Don't, don't wait until the end of your days to give your life to the Lord. The best life is a life lived for God here and now. The best life, it is the Christian life. 
because it is a life of God's goodness, God's favor, God's blessing. It is the abundant life. So if you're here today and have never given your life to God, I'm telling you, the right decision is to do that today, to leave today knowing you're right with God, that God is your Father and you're a part of His family. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I've never given my life to the Lord, but I, I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Might also be here today and at a time in your life. Thank you. Might also be here today and at a time in your life. You prayed a prayer, you, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for God. Maybe you blame God, maybe you blamed others. I'm here to tell you, he loves you. I'm here to tell you the mercies of God are new every morning. I'm here to tell you that if you will surrender your life to him, he will welcome you back with arms wide open. He'll put a ring on your finger. He'll put a robe on your back. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Our heavenly father is so good, so kind, so gracious, so loving. You don't have to spend another day separated from God, not having peace in your heart. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me, pray with me. I want to recommit my life to the Lord. I wanna make things right with the Lord before we go today. If that's you, raise your hand wherever you're seated so I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of the individual that raised their hand, I'm gonna ask that if you raised your hand for either invitation, you grab your Bible, purse, whatever you brought with you, come and join me at the front, we're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, the Lord is dealing with your heart, come join us, we're going to pray. The Lord is kind, the Lord is compassionate, the Lord is gracious, and he gives us time. Now, that's what the Lord did in the life of that precious man, husband of a lady, faithful decade after decade. God in his grace and mercy gave him time, and he gave his life to the Lord there at the end. But God's best is living for him here, and it's living for him now. God's best is living every day of your life for him here and him now. That is the best life. It is the abundant life. Give just another moment. You might be watching, listening online. Say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I ask Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I give up all the things of this world. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. You might be watching, listening online, prayed that prayer. You can go to the address on the screen. Want to be a blessing? We'll send you Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll also send you a copy of my father's book, our senior pastor's book, God's Very Own Child, short, simple, but it'll help you get started in living the Christian life. And sometimes I don't see what the ushers see, but if you raised your hand and nervous, bashful, it's all right. We love you. We're for you. And after the service, maybe you didn't, still nervous, see one of the wonderful ushers, see any of the wonderful people at guest services, just say, I need someone to pray with me, amen. 
And you know, don't have to be nervous because whether someone needs prayer for salvation or recommitment or for healing in their body, well, we're a family and we're cheering each other on. We're a family and we're encouraging one another in the Lord. Amen. We're, we're a family and we're, we're pressing each other on to victory, to victory, to victory. Just keep going, brother. Just keep going, sister. And there'll be a little bit more victory tomorrow and a little bit more victory on Tuesday and a little bit more victory on Wednesday, amen? But see, if you live that way, there's a whole lot of victory, amen? And that's what the Christian life is to be, the abundant life, amen? I also wanna make mention that I, I would encourage you, and we, listen, we do this to help to be a blessing. We're not trying to sell books. And when anything in the cafe, we're just breaking even. We're not, we're not trying to make money on books. But I would encourage you that if you don't have a copy of Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s The Believer's Authority, to get a copy of this book, to read all of it, amen. It's all, it's all good, it'll all help you. But to especially read chapter four on breaking the power of the devil, to read that chapter, read it once, read it twice, three times, four times, read it again and again and again. How many times do I need to read it until you get it? Amen. But I would encourage you, if you don't have a copy of the Believer's Authority, whether in the cafe or online or on Amazon or on Kindle, get yourself a copy. You can see it's short. Amen. You read it and apply it to your life. And you'll just walk in greater victory.